Tune in to Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app. Packer and Durham, it is a Friday. Yeah, we're streaming live on the ESPN app. Number for the show is 844-SAY-ACCN. Mark Packer alone with dogs in the basement. And in Cartersville, Georgia, that would be West Durham. What's happening? Good morning. I'm all right. How are you? Good to see you. Yeah, man. Life's good. It's a Friday. We've made it through the week. We got Super Regional Friday. It's going to be awesome. We got three ACC teams baseball-wise in action. North Carolina goes tomorrow. That would be the fourth. We got track and field going on out in Eugene. We got national champion yesterday, which we'll get into with all that stuff. We got cool guests. Uh, We got a group ball stuff we'll get into. And you know what else we got, Wes? We got ourselves a delivery. A delivery. What? To the house. Yep. Another one? Yep. You ready for it? The gift that Wes has been waiting for. And it's the bar says on the screen. Yeah. It's to you. Uh, now I, I would ooh. let you open it, but you're not here. So here's what I'm gonna do. I can no. either open it for you today or I'll just let it sit here and collect dust. It's your call. No, no. No, no, let's open it. All right. Uh-oh. Requires scissors. Well, I mean, Please I, be careful. It, it, it was addressed to you, so therefore I did not open it. All right? Wait a second. It was addressed to me at, at your basement? Yeah. Packer and Durham. Care of that's, West Durham. That's awesome. Now, oh, you're, how about you're, that? Now, okay. you're, sure you, you're sure you want this open now before I open this? Yeah, why not? All right. Do you sure. have any idea what this could be? Do you have anybody that no, said, hey, you t- I'll send you, know you something? Do you, do you do know I, who it's from? I, I do now because I know where the box is from. Where's the box from? Well, do you want me to tell you that? Because it may give it away. No, go ahead. Just open a box. All right. It's a little harder than I thought it was going to be. It's well taped. So there must be something incredibly important in here. And I don't want to hurt myself. By the way, you're going to get a box. Uh, you're going to get a box on Monday, I think. You may get it tomorrow, but I think it'll be Monday. And we'll Gosh, open it on the show. Sure, I can open this thing up, man. Fuller, how do you open this uh, up? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Eat some right. sulfur biscuits. No, no, there's no sulfur biscuits. I'm solo. Up. All right, here it is. Yeah. Uh, it is from. Huh. The good folks at ESPN. Wes. <laughs> Wes Durham, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, offer you your Disney pin. There it is. You've been waiting for it. one-year Disney pin? Yeah, your one-year Disney my pin. one-year Disney In year three. Congratulations. <laughs> And if you want to make you feel better, I can make it up that, hey, sorry for the delay. Enjoy from Mark Packer's friend, Jimmy, which I just made up, of course. Uh, but yeah, it, it doesn't is. say that. It's it from Drew Brooks. No, no, it's not from Drew Brooks. I promise you it's not. Who's it from? Uh, it, Who's it from? It's uh, not. It's not from Drew Brooks. OK. It's from headquarters. 
But there it is. Your Disney headquarters. Pin. So there it is. Oh, can we get a shot of that, Biana? Look at that. Magic. Congratulations. Oh, that's it. Case and everything. Thanks. My Disney pin. Yeah. yeah. Your Disney pin. After, Great. after, let me make sure there's no cash. No, that's it. No, that's all you got. No cash. That's all you got. So after a right. long, tedious journey, as you're now completing year three of your agreement with ESPN, you get your one-year Disney mm-hmm. pin. So you're ready to roll, brother. Get my one-year Disney pin. You are somebody, right? You are now somebody. Yep. It's official. You know what? I'll come by and pick that up on the way to the kickoff and put on my suit. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, I'm going to leave it right here because I'm, I won't touch it. I won't touch it. So it's waiting Thank on you. Thank so you. There it is. Congratulations. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Do we have any other gifts? or par- By the way, you're nope. getting a box. You're getting a box of the house. You may get it over the weekend, but I think you'll probably get it Monday. Um, and we'll open it on the show. And it is something that was sent to me, but is actually for you. Okay. And it is, um, it's, it's, is it, it's just perfect. Is it it's edible? Just, we actually showed it. No, it's not. And we actually showed it on the program while you were gone. Hmm. And I said, oh, this is actually for Packer. Huh. But I okay. wanted to show it to Gabby Sanchez, who loved it. So, right. anyway, I'll be all that being out. said, you know, yeah. I'll we'll open it on the show uh, next week. Um, we've got a lot of great guests today. David Teal coming up bottom of the hour. The story of John Sheff and Virginia Tech baseball is going to gather a lot of attention this weekend because of their first ever Super Regional, certainly first ever home uh, Super Regional situation. Kyle Peterson will join us. We'll talk about all the ACC teams. He'll be in Knoxville, by the way, with Tom Hart for coverage of Notre Dame in Tennessee. We'll talk to him at 845, 9 o'clock hour. Chris Winkie, former Florida State Heisman Trophy winner, NFL career, has coached at a wide variety of spots, is now at Georgia Tech working with quarterbacks. And we're going to visit with him at 9.15. And then at 9.30, Mike Rooney, he of the squeeze play fame last weekend and this weekend, will join us and we will get caught up uh, from his angle on regionals as well. Always look forward to talking to Runes. I can't tell you what a great job he and Chris Burke and Chris Budden and uh, Matt Schick do with the squeeze play. I think it's some of the best stuff ESPN does, and it's awesome to watch. And looking forward to another weekend of squeeze play right here on the family of networks. Um, we have a national championship to talk about this morning. Talk about the Packer and Durham bump. Yep. Gabriella Leone of Louisville won the NCAA title last night in the pole vault out in Oregon. Roll the video. How do they do it? Seriously. Just, I say it every time. When we had, when we had uh, Gabriella on, and she was awesome, right? She was part of the yep. oh, Unity Week with the ACC. Just a touch of class. Great student athlete. Incredible, obviously, what she does. But uh, when I saw this news that she had won the Natty, I was like, man, good for her because she was delightful to talk to. A great representation Mm -hmm. of not only this league, but also the University of Louisville. And uh, so she's added along with uh, Dylan Jacobs from Notre Dame, who won the national championship at the 10K. And uh, again, team competition goes on. We're still waiting for Trey Cunningham to maybe close the deal and do his thing in uh, hurdles and all that Mm -hmm. great stuff. So there's so many cool storylines still left to come in Eugene, Oregon, where it really is the epicenter of track and field. If you've ever been out to Eugene, 
Uh, it's a neat place uh, to go visit, uh, whether you can go out there for an Oregon game or whatever. But you go by the track and field facility, and it is legendary. And uh, they do an amazing, yep. amazing job. Well, and uh, Rachel Baxter, you saw also on that list from Virginia Tech, who Gabby was battling last night for the national championship in pole vault. So congratulations to Rachel as well. But Gabby right. Leone is the national champion. I don't know if you saw in the video pack, they're doing extensive expansion and renovation of Hayward Field, the historic so cool. venue of track out in Oregon. You know, Steve Prefontaine of the 70s, one of the great runners in American history. Uh by the way, one of the first guys to wear the Phil Knight swoosh, Prefontaine was. Um, so the the idea of uh, that place being – it's that is one of the events that quietly, I think, a lot of us who are in sports and cover sports, I think it's one of the, the hidden gems of the sporting calendar totally to go great. to the NCAA Track and Field Championships at Hayward Field. Uh, and I will tell you, the first time uh, – I've been to the University of uh, Oregon a couple times – and the first time I was there, it was like one of the things I wanted to see. Like, I mean, you, you read about, you know, all the stuff with Oregon when you start doing your research on stuff for the events that you cover. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I went out there for the right. first time and saw the facility, and again, this was probably a decade ago, first time, I was so disappointed. Like, I mean, there have been so many historic events that have taken place there, and you just know that as the hub, a track and field, and you saw the, the facility and you're like, Man, I just thought it'd be nicer. And then now they have put a gazillion dollars into it, and it looks like a right. million bucks. It is really, really cool. And obviously, you know, after the conversations we've had regarding track and field, I'm in awe of all the track and field athletes. When you get a chance to see them up close do their mm -hmm. thing, I mean, you really realize how specialized uh, the craft that all the men and women that participate. I mean, and again, I tell you, I wish I could run, really run and enjoy it. Uh, but when you see these folks do their thing, I mean, it's awesome. So, I mean, congratulations to everyone yeah. that's number one there, much less ones have had incredible success. But uh, Gabriella is a really cool – she was cool to talk to. And uh, seeing that mm -hmm. story yesterday, that, that uh, put a smile on your face. If you followed this show or followed the league or followed Louisville track or field or whatever the case may be, that's a really feel-good story. Yep. Uh, let's uh, show you the team standings, by the way. We'll start on the ladies' side of the uh, of the ledger out in Oregon. And uh, you see, well, the only reason Brooks is showing this is because Arizona State's in front. Uh, Virginia Tech tied for second. You see uh, Louisville T6 with 10 points. They're only six of the 21 events complete so far on the women's side. Uh, let's go to the men's side. If we can, we'll get a look at the men's card as well because over there, Tennessee is in first place. Florida State, Raymond's team is third. Again, seven of the 21. You see Notre Dame is 10th. Or 10 points tied for seventh with Pennsylvania. So that's an early look at the uh, track and field standings from Eugene. Yeah. It's I, a you know uh, – Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, it's a heavy week in a track and field and super regional baseball. I mean, if you're a college sports mm -hmm. fan, that's where you're throwing the dart this upcoming weekend because those two are center stage. There's no yeah. question. Uh, you know, of course, that Hayward Field also had a prominent role in the movies. Animal House. In the 1970s, right? That's right. right. Yeah. Animal House. Niedermeyer, 
those boys when they were hitting golf balls and on the drill field with Kent Dorfman, a legacy. It was out there right beside Hayward Field. Yeah, I was going to say, Eugene, Oregon, um, you know, it's funny what, you're, you, what you perceive to be reality until you get a chance to see it. And like I said, the first time I ever flew into Eugene, uh, I had to go to San Francisco first Giants game and then San Francisco up to Oregon. And I remember flying in to you because you, my perception of Oregon is lush, green, middle of nowhere, uh, like, you know, right. just stunningly beautiful, the whole routine. And we're flying into Eugene and uh, there was nobody sitting in the window seat. And I'll never forget it. I was looking out. And because I normally get on a plane and fall dead asleep. It's like one of the few places in the world I just instantly go to sleep. And we're coming in and I wake up and I put up the shade and I looked out and it was like nothing but like soybean fields. And I was like, I'm on the wrong plane because I just perceived that we're coming in through a forest and everything else in Eugene. And I'm looking out thinking, man, if you said, hey, we're getting ready to land in Greensboro, I would have said, "Okay, I'm landing in Greensboro. I just couldn't believe where we were. But Eugene is very different than I think what you perceive it to be like. And like the, the Oregon football facilities mm-hmm. are just like going to the Jetson set. I mean, it's just uh, futuristic. But what they've yeah, done crazy. with the track and field uh, and everything else, I mean, it really is cool. It's a cool college town, Eugene, Oregon. It's different. Yep. Uh, but it's a neat place. If you ever have a chance, if your team ever schedules uh, Oregon, make the road trip. I mean, you'll have a good time out there. Those folks have a good time. They, they get it. Is a college atmosphere in Eugene, no doubt. Yep. Uh, in uh, in absence of Larry Sprinkle, our pocket meteorologist here on the Packer and Durham program, let's give you a weather check. By the way, for some of these super regionals, before we get to the first time out of the morning, because weather may be a factor, especially in Chapel Hill. I, they may have a hard time getting started tomorrow morning at eleven a.m. with a scheduled first pitch from uh, from the Bosch. Uh, but Knoxville today, uh, three o'clock start. Oklahoma, uh, three o'clock start in. Uh, it's a six o'clock start tonight in Knoxville, and there is the weather for Chapel Hill. That's the Chapel Hill weather for Saturday: seventy-eight degrees and rain. First pitch at eleven a.m. You see that on the AccuWeather forecast pack. Um, so there's the Chapel Hill. Is that, uh, here's is that is that the European model, or is that the uh, hey we're just making this up as we go model? Because that's how the weather thing I, this works. This is AccuWeather. Yeah, well, well, this that, is AccuWeather. I don't mean anything uh, to me. Knoxville tonight, 6 o'clock, partly cloudy, 83 degrees for Perfect. Notre Dame and Tennessee. Perfect. Look like they're in good shape there. At Lindsey Nelson Stadium, by the way. Um, and then Blacksburg is this afternoon, 3 o'clock, first pitch. Perfect. 77 degrees and partly cloudy at English Field. And then we will finish up in College Station, kids, because let me tell you something about College Station. (laughs) 102 today is the low of the three temperatures. It's 102 today, 104 tomorrow, and 106 on Sunday. Yeah, I can vouch. Yikes. I can vouch for College Station. It gets a bit brisk there. It feels like you're on the surface of the sun at times in College Station. Jeez. But that'd be a great scene, though, man. Those fans are great. 12th man, all that cool yep. stuff. Here comes Louisville. That, that, again, all these series are going to be tremendous. We've talked about it almost um, 
ad nauseum every single day this week. But all four of these uh, ACC teams in action for the Super Regionals. Three today, one tomorrow in North Carolina. Again, it's all best of three. All you got to do is win two. You win two, you're heading to Omaha. It's simple as that. But, yeah. uh, man, these series are going to be great. Three ACC-SEC matchups. Uh, so get this one all over you. It's going to be out of sight. By the way, how in the world is it partly cloudy at 102? Uh, I've I've been to College Station when it's got triple digits. It, it's like I said, it, it it can get a bit warm in College <sighs> Station. But how is it partly cloudy? Thank it's God, crazy. thank God the right. clouds are in the way because otherwise it'd be 115. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, the Super Regionals are here. First pitch coming up this afternoon for the ACC at three. And when we come back, getting to Omaha and winning once you're there. Pack mentioned this yesterday. This has been the most difficult part of the trick for the ACC. We'll talk about it next on Packer and Durham. Good morning. This is the Packer and Durham podcast. You know, Pac, here's the thing. You mentioned this yesterday when we were talking about Wake Forest winning the 55 College World Series, the great Bill Scripture, right? I mean, Deacons went from – the ACC technically went from 1955 to 2015 between College World Series. Now, right. if you take current ACC schools, you can throw in Miami, 82, 85, 99, and 01, all right? Yeah. But – if you look at College World Series runners-up, you can find some ACC teams. Yeah, we've been close. But this is this is a much more difficult process than people realize, I think. And, you know, only four of the teams that are still alive have won a College World Series. Look at the runner-up list. I mean, go back to Wake in 49, and then, I mean, Georgia Tech in 94 had Jason Veritek, Nomar Garciaparra, Jay Payton, Darren Brown. They had an unbelievable team. Florida State in 99 was unreal. Carolina back-to-back in 06, 07. It's just kind of – it's a head-scratcher, isn't it? Uh, it's just – again, the league has been consistently good, really deep. They've <clears> gotten teams of the College World Series. Uh, but you've got – said it all week. You've got to be able to close. And that is – right. To me, that's baseball. I mean, how many times, I don't care if your favorite team, how many times you get there in that eighth, ninth inning, you're like, man, we just got to get three outs. It sounds easy, but it is not. It's like hitting a golf ball. That thing just sits there and looks at you right. and smiles. Hey, now you got to go do something about it. Baseball kind of feels the same way. man. Can you get those 27 outs and move on? Um, and the league has had, like I said, great success. Getting to Omaha has not been the issue. Winning it all in Omaha has been proven to be difficult. And you mentioned the 60-year period between Wake Forest winning it in 55 and Virginia finally knocking off Vanderbilt in 2015. Uh, It's crazy how many good teams we've had in this league. I mean crazy how many good teams uh, that you just sit there and go, well, this is the year. And for whatever reason, you get close and you just, I mean, like North Carolina, you put the back-to-back North Carolina years on that runner-up against Oregon State. It just seemed like they were destined to win at least one, if not both of them, and got none. 
it, it makes no yeah. sense sometimes. So uh, to me, it's the beauty yeah. of the of the sport. It's the beauty of the tournament. It's part of the magic. It's one of the reasons we keep emphasizing that the number one overall seed in college baseball has not won the national championship since Miami did it in 1999. And I would tell you as a sports fan, try to find another sport where the perceived number one team in that respective season did not close the deal as consistently as you see it in college baseball. You cannot find one. There's not another sport like it, and that's what makes it unique. Yep. You see the the note on the uh, screen, the ACC 56 and 66 since 99. That's 46%. doesn't include Louisville and Notre Dame prior to them joining the conference. Now, if you look at the College World Series environment, um, you see that you got – like Florida State's 25 games, North Carolina's played 31. North Carolina's 16 and 15 in those 31 games at the College World Series since 1999. Miami and Florida State have played 25 games each. Miami's 13 and 12, and Florida State's 11 and 14. Uh, the only other school with more than 20 games is Virginia, and they're 13 and 10. So, number one, you got to get there. Number two, you got to be successful. There are a lot of schools that go and they're two in barbecue or they're two and one or, you know, I remember Carolina went, what, four straight years pack and they got to the finals the last two years. I mean, there was all sorts of different dynamics with Carolina going to the College World Series and any ACC team. Remember, Virginia played Vanderbilt the year before in 14, then won it in 15 against the Commodores. I mean, you get this thing in a very cyclical piece if you're not careful and Brian O'Connor can prove that. But it's hard to win at the end. And now since it's a best of three, I mean, I came to Georgia Tech after they went in 94, and there are a lot of people felt like that at that point, had they played Oklahoma in the double elimination. Remember back then, final game was on CBS, and it was winner take all one time. Georgia Tech felt like if it had been double elimination, they would have won the game. They would have won the College World Series. Just so happened, they made the final game for television. It was a winner-take-all, one-time shot. The format's changed. It's now two out of three. I like it, by the way. I, I like the Women's College World Series for that reason, too. I think it's – I thought last night, Texas led early. Oklahoma did Oklahoma things. But the idea that you get down to the last two and it's two out of three, I think they've got this format right. Is it a little longer? Feels a little longer in baseball than it does softball. But at the same time, really, really high-level college baseball. That's why it's my favorite NCAA tournament. I think it's the fairest one where you can still have a bad day and, and move on and win. I mean, we saw North Carolina yep. come out of the loser's bracket. We saw Louisville come out of the loser's bracket. They're still alive and kicking. And, you know, when you go on the deeper dive, uh, we start talking about ACC baseball is consistently good as it has been over decade upon decade upon decade. There are three schools that immediately come to mind to me, Wes, Florida State, North Carolina, and Clemson, who have been to Omaha so many times with really incredibly talented teams and never walked away with the hardware. And and it, it sometimes it mm-hmm. becomes I don't know if it becomes mental. Sometimes I mean again, you know the physical part of this. We got so many good teams and players and coaches. But sometimes you kind of wonder, what do you have to do to get over the hump? Now, if you're a Virginia fan watching, you're like, well, excuse us. Hey, we did win it in 2015. Believe me, we keep emphasizing that. Matter of fact, we emphasized it earlier this week that the ACC is the only conference, the only conference 
to have won a national yeah. championship in football, baseball, softball, women's and men's basketball since 2015. It's the only one. Uh, but thank goodness for Virginia yeah. in 2015 because that is the spike for a baseball perspective. But those other three teams I mentioned, Florida State, I mean, how many times did Mike Martin have just incredible teams that for whatever reason got to Omaha and it was just like a whiff? I mean, you know, Clemson baseball with Leggett and Wilhelm had so many great teams that made it to Omaha and just did not quite get the deal done. And you know, Coach Fox at North Carolina, and, and they've been there a gazillion times and didn't quite. I mean, so it's been close. Maybe this is the year, but to get to Omaha, you got to take care of business this weekend. And that's why these four super regionals involving ACC teams are going to be so much fun beginning today. Yeah. Well, sit tight because there'll be more on this coming up, including we'll do it by conferences and show you comparisons. But when we come back, David Teal joins us. He'll be in Blacksburg, I think, this weekend. It's going to be interesting because this is a team that a lot of people really don't know about because they're on this stage for the first time. The Hammer and Hokies go to work this afternoon at 3 o'clock at English Field, and it's next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Friend of the show, David Teal. Mr. Teal, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, guys. Pack, you met, you referenced your uh, conversation in Amelia Island with Whit Babcock. He was a 12-year-old bat boy on the 1983 James Madison team that went to Omaha, coached by his daddy. How about that? Dad. Yep. That's a cool story. Yeah. Hey, David, here's here's a weird one. There's not many times that you get to say you're doing something for the first time in the 21st century of major college athletic program, right? I mean, now we saw John Rittman start softball at Clemson a couple of years ago. Uh, we saw Clemson and Duke both host in the softball tournament. Virginia Tech's been playing baseball a long time. I mean, a long time. But to say they hosted a regional for the first time and now they're hosting a super regional and a brand name like Oklahoma's coming in, uh, that's pretty salty. That's pretty good for what John Chef's built there in Blacksburg in very quick fashion. Well, Wes, he, he built in very quick fashion in Maryland as well. Maryland hadn't been to the NCAA tournament in four decades before John Sheff showed up. And in year two, he had them in a super regional at UVA. And in, I believe in five years at Maryland, he took the Terps to three NCAA regionals and two super regionals. So he used to quick rounds and has done so at Virginia Tech. Well, when you consider that uh, Virginia Tech and Pitt are the only two ACC teams who have never made it to Omaha. In fact, Syracuse has been to Omaha, and they haven't been playing baseball since 72. Uh, so that's a big deal. I mean, this is an incredible opportunity. And, David, I don't know if you've ever spent any time out in Omaha. I'm assuming you have. You, you know what a magical experience it is. It's great for fans and players and coaches, and it's the epicenter for everybody that loves college baseball. And I can only imagine – uh, as hungry and thirsty as Virginia Tech is to win a national championship in a team event, if given the opportunity, that fan base will go bonkers in Omaha. I, I, it's like a perfect fit scenario, Virginia Tech and Omaha, if they can get there. Yeah, I really think they take over, Mark. 
And actually, I've never been to the College World Series. It is a bucket Ooh. list item for both me and Mrs. Teal. Uh, she's a serious seam head. And at it's, it's some point, we hope our travels get us to the College World Series. Uh, David, in, in kind of the pantheon of Virginia Tech, we're just talking about the academic year and all the things that have been successful here. Baseball kind of capping this off for Whip Babcock and in particular their team. There's a lot. I mean, granted, they've joined this league, what, 04, I guess? 04, 05 was the first year in, in the ACC. This feels like now with Brent Pry and everything else and Mike Young running basketball and Kenny Brooks has done a phenomenal job. Feels like they're kind of starting to hit their stride here comprehensively in the ACC. Wes, it's a really good point. But before Virginia Tech joined the ACC in 04 and 05, as you referenced, the Hokies had never finished in the top 60 of the Director's Cup standings. This year will be the 15th consecutive year they've been in the top 50. And right now they're sitting at 21st, which would be their highest ever finish. Their highest ever right now is 29th. So that's the impact that the ACC has had especially on Virginia Tech Olympic sports. All right, so as far as this Super Regional goes, all right, the Hokies only put 46 on the board in their three games. I mean, this team can flat out hit the baseball. And here comes big, bad, mighty Oklahoma, fresh off a kick in the Florida Gators to the to the couch. Uh, but Oklahoma's had great success this year, knocking off top 10 teams, especially on the road. I think they've got seven wins against top 10 teams all away from home. So they're going to come into Blacksburg going, hey, listen, we're a good team. You're a good team. Let's go play. But I can only imagine the atmosphere, the anticipation. Again, I think every time you do something for the very first time, it is special. It is unique. And it just kind of feels that way for Virginia Tech going into the weekend. In fact, there's a reason Virginia Tech is 32-5 and five at home this season. Mm. I mean, that fan base really comes out. And it's a credit to the last two ADs, Jim Weaver and then Whit Babcock, really upgrading the infrastructure, first with an indoor hitting facility that is named for Jim Weaver, and now Whit Babcock and, and his staff, that they put together the $18 million renovation, uh, to the ballpark itself, and it's quite the home field advantage, as you saw last weekend uh, at the regional. David, is there a sense that Virginia Tech's baseball fortunes are turning, like, right here in front of us? I think they are. I mean, last year they got off to such a good start and couldn't close. This year, just the opposite. You know, at one point they were sitting there at ten and six, zero and four in the ACC, and then they've been on this remarkable run since. And I believe they are what thirty four and thirty thirty four and six since. I mean, it's really striking how well they've they've been playing and haven't lost back to back games. In, during that stretch, they're getting good pitching. Guys, Virginia Tech, Texas, and Tennessee are the only remaining teams that rank in the top 30 nationally in batting average, home runs, scoring, team ERA, and fielding percentage. 
that, my friend, mm. is the definition of a complete baseball team. Yeah, and you know, not only yeah. that, uh, I know we have baseball in the brain, but when you tie it into what the softball program did as well, it's been an incredible one-two combination yeah. this year, this spring in Blacksburg. And I know that the Hookies were disappointed with how the, the baseball, the, excuse me, the softball season came to kind of a, an abrupt end because you had visions of, hey, let's get out to Oklahoma City. But between softball and baseball, David, I mean, what a great combination it's been this year for Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Guys, I was out there for the Super Regional in, in softball, and fans were lined up at the gate 90 minutes before the, the, the gates were open. And then once, once they were open, because some of the seating was general admission, fans were sprinting to get to the best seats so they could get the best view. It was r- remarkable to see and, and a really, really cool energy in, in the ballpark. And I expect that exponentially uh, this weekend just simply because the baseball stadium holds so many more people. All right, so what do you think transpires this weekend, DT? I think all the numbers, Wes, and as you guys talked about before, baseball is, is such a peculiar postseason. It's so difficult to win. Mm-hmm. But all the numbers favor Virginia Tech. Oklahoma has the worst ERA of any remaining team in the tournament. And the Hokies have a lineup that features seven guys with at least a dozen home runs. Oklahoma has one with at least a dozen mm-hmm. I mean, that lineup that John Sheff throws out there is just so potent from top to bottom. Number nine hitter in the lineup last weekend, Carson Demartini, freshman third baseman from Virginia Beach. All he did was drive in eight runs in three games, score six times, and hit 333 from the nine hole. Well, I know, th- I know this, uh, Virginia Tech's going to have to, because bu- we always get into trends and stuff in sports, and sometimes you can overanalyze stuff, and <laughs> we're, we're as guilty of that as anybody, uh, but they're going to, they, the Hokies, are going to have to buck a trend in the sense that in the last five NCAA baseball tournaments, they become the 10th team to make it to a Super Regional for the very first time, but only one of the other previous teams made it to Omaha. Only one, and that was Washington back in 2018. So they're going to have to buck the trend. But the way they're hitting the baseball, David, at home, again, take nothing away from Oklahoma. They were able to go on the road and eliminate Florida in Gainesville. That's not easy either. You don't get to this stage without having really talented teams. And that's what I love about this tournament. It kind of weeds out the week. And, you know, you can have a great regular season, but, brother, you better be playing your best baseball in May and in June if you think you're going to get to Omaha. And Virginia Tech right now is absolutely doing that. They sure are. And it was striking yesterday, Pac, to listen to John Sheff and his players at the pre-Super Regional News Conference. You talk about a group that acted like they had been there before. That was Virginia Tech yesterday. John Sheff was very matter-of-fact and at one point said, if we win the national championship in two weeks, really wouldn't surprise me. Just matter-of-fact. Wow. I wow. like it. I like the attitude. Um, all right. Ahead of your uh, summer vacation, Teal, do you have any uh, questions for our Italian expert that we now have on this program after his second trip in three years? Where do we need to go in Milan? Because that's the first stop. 
Well, here, here's what I would tell you. If you go to Milan, you need to see the Duomo. Then you need to get out of town and go see other stuff. That's what I'd tell you. That's what I'd <laughs> I'm dead serious. And, and you could go north up to Lake Como, which was spectacular. Or you could go south down to Florence or down to Rome. Or if you want to go to the Amalfi Coast. I mean, there... Or, or Tuscany. I mean, there's so many gazillion places to see. But I, if I had to do it again, which I will, uh, I would not spend a whole lot of time in Milan. Uh, if you had a chance to see the Last Supper, do that. We we couldn't get in for that, but the Duomo was spectacular. But Milan is like a real city. I mean, there's people wearing suits. Of course, they're wearing their blue suits with their brown shoes. Everybody does. Uh, but Milan's busy. I mean, Milan's like they're not no turisti, no turisti. We I mean, no tourist. So I mean, they they um, they are going about their business. But Rome you could spend forever in Rome. You could spend forever in Florence. Uh, but I, if I was going back to Milan and starting there, I'd spend one day to check out the Duomo, and then I would go north to Como. That's where I'd go. I'd go up to the lakes and just disappear. That's what I'd do. That's just me. We're really excited. We actually have tickets to see the Last Supper, oh, so we're really you got lucky. Yeah, we're really fired up to do that, and then from there we're we're taking the train up to Switzerland. So. We did that. Now we <clears> did, <throat> and that was I mean, listen, that was a full day from Milan, and you ended up going to Tirano, which is the last spot, and then you take the Bardina Express up to St. Moritz, and that was like a ten-hour train ride from start to finish, five up, five back. But it is breathtaking, breathtaking when you get to Switzerland. That's all I can tell you. And, and amazing. You know what else, David, was amazing? Were how many Wake Forest flags I saw in Switzerland. It's truly incredible. Stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. <clears throat> Teal. Teal, here's the only thing I can tell you. When we are all in the same room together in Charlotte, for the Atlantic Coast Conference football kickoff on, I think it's Wednesday, July 20th is the date that we were uh, asked to apply for credentials yesterday. Um, I will tell you that one of us on this screen right now will be trying to speak Italian to people at the gathering. I'm taking classes. He's wearing a brown shirt. No, I... I, It it won't be me either. I have decided yeah. after this trip, I, this is the second time we have been to, to Italy, and it is unlike any place I've ever been. I'm going to learn how to speak the language. So that is on my list. I'm yeah. now taking Italian classes to speak the language. Yeah. About that. Now, he's taking Italian. Well, you know what we say here in North Carolina? We're taking Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Where should I Safe travels, David. Thank you, guys. Yep. Be well. David Teal. You can read his work at Richmond.com. He's done a marvelous job chronicling Virginia Tech and John Chef's uh, baseball exploits this year. Yeah. Packer will be speaking Italian. Some of us will speak Italian. That's the way I look at it. David, of course, works for Il Giornale. Giornale. Wait. Giornale. Which is a newspaper. I thought Il Messaggero was the newspaper over no. there. That's where Danny Ferry signed out of college. Il Giornale. That oh. is the newspaper. That's what that word is in Italian. You're, you're, let me tell you mm. something. You, you give me another year, because I have made a dedicated effort, much like I have with my wellness program this year, from a physical standpoint. I'm going to be about a year away from speaking Italian on this show. 
That's my goal. Uh-huh. And everybody will be looking for the ITA button on their television. No, no, no. All Buongiorno. Right, when we come back. Buongiorno. When we, when we come back, in case you missed it with Link Jarrett, coach is looking over his pitching prospects, sorting out his order, his rotation, and he visited with us yesterday ahead of today's 6 o'clock first pitch in Knoxville. And it's next on Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. It is a Friday. Your lucky number is 644. 644. All right. If you want to jump on the show, you can. 844, hey, um, say ACCN. I know we got Link Jarrett here from yesterday. We're going to hop to it, I promise, in just a second. I just want to make sure we mention this on a Friday. Hunter Renfro, who played at Clemson from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, who was a walk on. At Clemson, right? Pack, am I getting all that right? He was a walk-on, correct? That is accurate. Yesterday, signed a two-year, $32 million extension with the Las Vegas Raiders. Good for him. Two years, $32 million. And you know what? Talented guy, obviously made one of the great catches in Clemson history to clinch a national title against Alabama. But that's the kind of story sometimes that just needs to be – you need to be reminded. He was a walk-on. Didn't he go to Sockesty? I think he went to Sockesty to play high school ball in Myrtle Beach. Walked on to Clemson, played in the slot, became a player, drafted. Nobody thought he was big enough to play in college, let alone the NFL. Now he signs a two-year, thirty-two million dollars extension. He's a guy that if he walked, he's a guy that uh, if he walked by you, if you walk, if you're walking in the mall, he had a baseball hat on and just a pair of shades, and he'd walk right by you. Yeah, yeah. No earthly idea he played the National Football League. He just like That's an every, everyday joke. Right. Man, he works his tail off and just a salt of the earth guy, quality mm-hmm. dude. And uh, it's I'm good a to big see, fan. Good, yeah, it's good to see good things happen to good people, and that absolutely falls under that category. Yeah. Uh, same could be said for Link Jarrett, right? Good things happening to good people. Yep. It's been fun to get to talk to him. Yesterday, we visited with him prior to tonight's game in Knoxville. And we started with the basic question of how much carryover is there from your regional in Statesboro, Georgia last week to what you dive into tonight in Knoxville? Here it is in case you missed it. The regional, you know, having to go – a third of the way across the country again and our, our trips when you think about the 10 or 11 trips we've made this season it's just you're adding another dimension into the postseason travel um the seven hour rain delay that we had after bertrand through one inning trying to figure out how to manage eight innings of a game and liam simon coming in and throwing the way he did to um allow some of the bullpen arms to throw more of the shorter stint that they're used to that was huge Um, The rain delay the next day was unusual. I think everything we dealt with in that tournament obviously just gains experience for our guys in in having to face adversity and figure out a way to manage it and and play well when the the scoreboard is back on and it's time to go and this counts. You have to be at your best. And I, I thought they did that. And Quite frankly, throughout the course of the year, watching our guys manage what we have to do to, to play all of our games on the road early and then try to find some rhythm later in the year when it balances out. They've responded so well to all these different variables. Um, you know, 
Texas Tech was a tough, strong, complete, well-coached team. Georgia Southern, same thing. You know, the teams we played in that regional were tough, um, and our guys responded. The games never extended. You know, I thought the, the park played differently than the other two weekend series I had played there. The wind was blowing in a little bit, so the scores of the games were maybe different than we expected going in. We pitched well, defended some timely double plays. Turning your attention to Tennessee, they're, they're clearly um, the most consistent, dynamic team in our sport. Um, and, and I told our team, guys, we don't have to match what they did this season. I don't know if anybody's going to match what they've done this season, but the good thing is we're not into comparison of season. We're in competition of who can win two of the three games. And our engagement in finding ways to win and being creative, I think that's one of the strengths of our team. Um, it's going to take all of that to compete with Tony's team, and they're, they're so deep and talented and well-coached. Um, but we don't have to match their season. We have to figure out a way to win one game at a time, and if you win two out of three, you end up in the, the most special venue you could ever think of to play for a national championship. Link, we just got done talking to Danny Graves, who, by the way, likes you to win this series. Just not to put a little, add a little oomph to it, but he, he likes you to win this series. But we talked to him a lot about Virginia Tech in the sense that, hey, they're the only team left of the 16 that's never been in the Super Regional. They get to host, and it's like uh, Christmas morning. You, on the other hand, last year had to go to Mississippi State. Incredible venue, great baseball team. It was a great, tough series. They went on to win the national title. How much does that experience from a year ago help you beginning tomorrow at Tennessee? I think it's huge. Um, now, the execution within the game and the pitch execution and the offensive timeliness of what you're doing and the, the team defense, those things hold true no matter where you are and no matter what the conditions are you're playing in. Um, but to feel what that was like last year, uh, it, it was the biggest on-campus crowd, I think, ever in the history of an on-campus three-game series. So it was phenomenal. And those fans were, were great. They loved it. Our guys loved it. You can't ask for any more. Um, you know, you are on a different surface. The confines are different. You have an hour and 15 minutes to practice today. Um, so how quickly you acclimate to the surroundings, it's important. Now, we have been there, and I, I don't think you can put a true value on that. But the first time you're there, it has a far different feel um, in your preparation with the team. What are they thinking? What's it like in the dugout? Then once you've been through that, they can instantly calibrate to things that happened last year and understanding you know, the magnitude of the event. I, I think our Super Regional might be the most exciting series that college baseball has ever seen here. Um, their fans are mm. clearly into it. Their team is into it. You know, our guys are going to match that. It's going to be phenomenal. And, and yes, to answer your question, having gone through it last year, knowing that you can't talk essentially at parts of the game when it's loud on the field, you have to, you have to play the game in a manner that allows you to communicate and function without some of the verbal communication that may go on um, when the crowd is not as engaged as they will be this weekend. So we're prepared for that. What would a Omaha appearance mean to you in Notre Dame baseball? 
Well, to watch these guys engage in the academics and to achieve in the classroom at, at a level we've never seen here, to have a team over a 3-2 GPA at Notre Dame, and we have guys that started master's classes yesterday on our team that are coming back for their fifth year. So, you know, we had to get them excused from orientation, and, and our academic staff was so helpful with that. Um, watching them answer the demands, any student athlete has these demands, but I just appreciate how hard these guys work. I see how we travel and where we have to go. If you look at our schedule, you know, to open your ACC road slate um, at NC State, at Louisville, and at Florida State, that's what's staring at you right out of the gate before you ever really played a complete home series. They've responded. So to take this group to Omaha, what they represent for me is the epitome of what student athletes are asked to do and to achieve it at the highest possible level. Whether we get there or not, these guys deserve it. Well, I tell you what, it's go time in Knoxville. I mean, that is the best team in college baseball, the Tennessee Volunteers, and they have been consistently good. They don't lose ball games. they almost unbeatable at home. And Notre Dame's going to come in there with the best team ERA in the ACC and see what they can do about it beginning today. Well, I said it's going to be some kind of series. Exactly right. And when we come back, Hour 2 features one stat per game. Also, Kyle Peterson joins us from Knoxville at 845 this morning. And you don't think Notre Dame baseball doesn't join the other Irish teams that in the past have slayed Goliath? Ho-ho! What do you see the list? Next on Packer and Durham. This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. 